You're checking out Battle Line Podcast, hosted by Chris Peranto and myself, Ian Scotto, where we interview some of the best names in special operations, military, as well as uh, people related to the field, and uh, sometimes just other people on that we find interesting. This is our special two-part Q&A episode, and before we get into everything, we have to let you know about our newest sponsor, who we are so excited to have on board with us long-term, and that is none other than Photonis Defense. Photonis Defense is the global leader in night vision solutions, providing more high-quality night vision capabilities than anyone Hunters, shooters, boaters, and outdoor enthusiasts rely on Photonis defense systems to make their adventures safer and more successful. Military, law enforcement, and public safety end users utilize Photonis defense solutions to give them the edge at night in tactical situations and rescue operations. Photonis Defense is now offering state-of-the-art night vision systems. From the PD-Pro B 16mm binocular and the PD-Pro M 16mm monocular to the PD-Pro Q panoramic night vision system, customers from all over are excited about these new, smaller, lighter NVGs. You have got to see these things to really experience how much smaller and lighter they are than anything you have used previously. And so many guys in the special operations community are utilizing this. So a lot of you, you know, in the uh, in the private sector and the public sector and just users of night vision in general are going to love what they're doing. Visit photonistdefense.com for more information. Link is in description, but that's P-H-O-T-O-N-I-S defense.com or look for the Photonist Defense product options from your night vision dealer. Check them out. We're really proud to have them on board, and we love what they do. There are going to be some videos on the horizon that'll show you the capability of what Photonis is doing. With that, let's get right into it. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dead for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on. The switch is on. The switch is on. Oh my! Switch is on. I was just thinking of that song. Why? Why? You know what I'm thinking of, right? The heat is on. Why? I know what you did. Remember, I grew. That's what I grew up. You definitely grew up. (laughs) Yeah, that's fucking Glenn Fry, man. Who knows Glenn Fry? If you don't know Glenn Fry is in your 50s, something's wrong with you. 
Definitely. Was when you said the switch is on, maybe it was subliminally inspired by it of the it's, heat is on. Which it, where why did I say that? It was because I still remember actually. I'm good with remembering this stuff. No, but, but had Nate Nate Boyer. But I remember I, I used to think that though. That's why I said it. But I don't know. It it had to have come from something. Yeah, it had to have come from something. Um uh some pop culture or something I saw, maybe on Miami Vice, you know, back I'm dating myself, you know, something like that. When because you're talking about Glenn Fry and 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 I know he was that's where in the Eagles and all that, but he was huge Miami Vice and he was actually in the show every once in a while. I loved watching Miami Vice back in the day. I think so you, had, I think you invented <clears throat> I think you invented the switches on though. Because if I Google it, remember there was like Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> there was like a gay porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's right. there nothing like mainstream with the switches on. I think you yeah. created it. Maybe it was a gay porn thing. I don't know. <laughs> like maybe that's very good. No, maybe but there, if I, I think we are the most popular thing with the switches on. Because I'm just going to see if I Google Google switches on. <laughs> let's see if I Google the switches on. Um, I see some electric company. All right, electric company. And- well, I used to watch Electric Company. I love that. <laughs> that's it, man. I think we created it. Yeah, we did. Just say it. We did. Or you we created, created it. it. You well, it could be just me, but it was it's it's we created it. We did. And then I see nineteen eighty five, the switches on was a movie, but I think it was um No, I didn't know that. Know, as we say straight to video, I don't think it was like on the silver screen. A naive young farm boy, striker, goes to the big city to find his fortune and in route has many bisexual encounters. <laughs> Yeah, that probably wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't me. Um, yeah, with that, I mean, I guess we'll get right into it. We have a ton of great questions from you guys sent to battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. We don't get the opportunity to do this very often. And uh, yeah, yeah, I just I shuffled them all up. I mean, they're really all over the place. We had questions from, you know, uh, totally different um, perspectives. So, yeah, I guess we'll get right into it. And I'll try to keep track of how many we're doing and pace this out since this will be a uh, two-part extravaganza here. Uh, So the first one, Ian and Tonto, I'll keep this short and sweet. Thank you for finally producing a podcast with a no-bullshit approach to not only politics, but life, parenthood, and marriage. Ian slash Tonto, do you have any contacts in the broader SF community, perhaps SASR, 3RAR, or AUS? to CDO. It would be great to hear the differences in experience and service. Tonto, thank you for your service and sacrifice. Even in Australia, we stand with you. Wishing you both the best of health. And that's Chris Barrier from Queensland, Australia. And he says, P.S. There's plenty of rum, running tracks, and beaches in in Bundaberg. Happy to show you guys the ropes. Chris Barrier. Wow. Awesome email, and it's really an honor when we hear that not only are people listening in all fifty states, but Australia. Yeah, uh, I'm. Per, you know, I did work. I, I did. Well, if you want to Australia, I did go through jump school with some of the Australian. Some of the Australian. Um, I don't. They weren't SAS though. It was. It was jump school. It was in the early days, and uh, 1995 early days for me, and um, you know. I think it was just this regular army, their infantry people. I think that was it. And, and but it was what was what was weird to me is their uniforms back in the nineties. And he would know what I'm talking about. They look like balloons. They, they, their camis were balloons. I thought it was a cl- it really, literally to me, looked like a clown outfit. 
because it had all these circles all over it. And that was their camo. And I was like, who the fuck are these guys? And I was a new, I had just graduated basic training. You know, I was new to the army for the most part. Granted, I'd been to basic, but right to Airborne school. So that was cool. But as far as me getting relationships with them, no, I was just a young private. I didn't dare talk to them. I, I just thought their uniforms were hilarious. But We'll get him on the show. I just got to remember his name. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, though. We worked at Blackwater before. He was, he was an Aussie SAS. He was one of the lead instructors on the black shirt side of the house. So we had instructors at Blackwater. You had high threat protection instructors. Then you had the general gen pop instructors, which guys that just took general classes, but also taught, you know, uh, law enforcement and so forth. So uh, and he was on that side. and I can't remember his name, but we should have him on. I, I if I can remember his name and locate him, which it shouldn't be too hard as soon as my brain readjusts, recalibrates. Uh, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I you know um, have him on the show to get a different perspective of the Aussie SAS. Um, and um, as far as me serving and working with them in the Rangers, no, worked with British SAS, and then I worked with mi5 and also british former british sas when i was with grs in fact one of my best grs instructors when i went through the qualification course was a british sas guy they would come and we'd cross train each other and um i had a royal marine named mo that went through the course with me um when i originally became grs tremendous guy huge and he looked like a mo he was big as fuck he had a bald head and i loved the way they cuss because whenever people in the UK cuss, it sounds proper. So I, I remember there's an episode. I remember I, I'm going in a rabbit hole. We got a lot of questions. It's cool. But, yeah. But, but I do remember we were going through the driving with the final stage is you go through a final FTX to, to qualify. So you've gone through all the shooting qualifications. I mean, you've basically been going through two and a half weeks of shooting, 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 tactical drills, tactical drills. And then, then they grade you and, or you get graded based off your shooting, <laughs> your shooting, um, no pun intended, you're shooting caliber, how well you do <laughs> on the shooting quals. And once you get the FDX, you've passed everything. So basically, I've passed all the rifle shoots. I've passed all the pistol shoots. I've passed the attacks on vehicles, which you have, they go through graded attacks. I've passed through all the room clearing. Room clearing, we did all the CQB, two-man CQB we had to do, um, close quarter battle. And then the final thing is an FTX. So I passed the driving portion. Then they put it all together. And it's really fun. And honestly, I want to do a battle line course where we do this even, I mean, it would be a a watered down version, but it's, it's just so damn expensive. But what you do is you go pick up, it's kind of like a a standard GRS mission, your bread and butter mission that you do all the time. You go pick up the principal and me and Mo, and so me and Mo are together. And he was a former Royal Marine. And now he was trying out for MI5's security element, which is, like they're like GRS, but it's on the UK side of the house and they're part of MI5. Well, he's driving. I'm a pastor. I'm on the, I'm the TC or I'm the, 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 on the pastor side, the tactical commander, if you want to call it, but we're on two man team. We go pick up our principal. We go drop him off at this, this makeshift village. You know, it's, it's somewhere out in the middle of, of uh, Northern Virginia, take him out, drop him off. And he goes to his meet and, you know, then something happens at that meet that you have to exfil the principal out, which is something similar because you don't go to these meetings when they go sit in these meetings, like a case officer, see a case officer, whatever, a diplomat, you, you, you don't sit in there with them unless they want you to. Normally they don't. You usually are outside somewhere just hanging out or, you know, making sure nobody's going to attack the compound and watching your car. 
So um, we're outside, and then, of course, the attack kicks off. And we go expel them. We do everything right. We get in there. We kill all the bad guys that we need to. We don't kill any of the good guys because that's that's a huge grade down. You shoot the wrong guy, you're, you're out of the course. So you have to be aware of, of, of good and bad situational awareness. It's, it's tremendous. But we get them out of there. We get them in the car. But that's not the end of it. Then you have to actually drive home. And they have a high level guy, the guys that teach the beyond normal limits driving that you go through during that course. Well, they're the bad guy drivers and they're trying to knock you off the road. So you, first of all, you got to drive and get out of that compound and they barricaded it. So you got to learn how to slam through vehicles without disabling your own vehicle. That's part of the course. That's the final FTX. And of course you always try to go through where the, where the, uh, on the backside of the car, because that's, there's no engine on the backside. You can dent the shit out of the backside of a car. It's still going to run. You fuck up your engine. You know, that's why when you watch movies where they plow through with their with their front of their, where their front of their vehicle where the engine is, that that's inaccurate. That's not going to you. You would not do that unless you absolutely had to. And if you did, you had to push through, you know, a bumper or a soft side. But anyway, I'm getting through tactics now. I'm not going to get into that. We get through and the whole drive, the driving instructor, who's the bad guy, is trying to pitch you. And you know how to you, you learn how to get out pits pits when you hit the bottom back quarter panel. It makes the car spin and it does look really cool. But. When you learn how to drive out of that defensive drive out, it's actually easy to easy to counter. So they'll hit you, you spin, you just keep going, you just go with the spin, you shoot out of it. And but I do remember when we hit one of the obstacles, um, we're we're boxed in. So he's slamming forward in the car, he's slamming the bat. We got junkers, so we're slamming cars back and forth because we got to get out of there. And our principal, his head's in the way. And I remember Mo, and he said, I can't. I wish I could talk in his accent. He turns around. And he goes, hey, motherfucker, could you please move, sir? And, and it was the most hilarious because he said, I mean, we were in a I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's high stress. You're you're, you're motions, you're meant you, you're going, you're going crazy. It's it's fun as hell. And he says it in a UK accent. He says, motherfucker. And it sounded like he said, sir. To me, it was like I heard sir when he said motherfucker. <laughs> and that was where I looked at him. I go, dude, I married during that. I go, man, you fuck six can just cuss all the time. You get away with it because you sound so proper. And we were laughing the whole time. This scenario was Brits are also on. very, they're very big on, uh, I don't even want to say it that like the C word here. That's like, oh, yeah. super being there. No, it's like, yeah, they no. say it like no, any, it, because it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's, it's a word. It's just like calling you a motherfucker. It's the same thing, it, you know, and that's, it is, it, it would say the C word. Can we say it on air or should we not say it on you air? You can say whatever we want. No, yeah. they, they would say, no, they say cunt all the time. It's, and, but it doesn't mean, what you think it means. If you want to watch, I think the best, at least, and forgive me, all of you English, all you people from London, UK, but the movie that really to me represents the humor that I found working with people from the UK. If you ever watched the gentleman, the gentleman no, with Matthew McConaughey and, and I thought you were going to say like Monty Python or no, no, no. Well, that's great humor, but like improper humor where there's cussing all the time and they use the word cunt and, you know, um, yeah, there's this, and there's this, there is, there's a scene and I, you know, you get mad at me if you want, fine. There's a scene in it where, and this is perfectly, this is perfectly what, what I'm talking about is cause they honestly, they don't take, at least in my opinion, the guys I work with don't take offense and they make fun of our PC culture, even though their PC is hell too. And they're, but they make fun of us, but you know, there's a scene where they're talking and this is perfect. What I'm talking about with Mo guys like Mo and, Mick, they're always seem to be named Mo and Mick too. I don't know what the fuck. I don't. I know I'm not getting their real names, but they're always Mo and Mick. Well, you know, there's a scene in there where, yeah, where he's talking and 
and they're boxing and the two buddies, there's a, there's a, there's a pikey, which is, which is a gypsy. They call them pikeys. And if you've watched movies, you know that. And, uh, you know, as far as English guys, as far as I know, and there's a, they're buddies, they're, they're fighting. There's a black fighter and a, and a, and a gypsy fighter. And they're talking and Colin Farrell's in the movie. And he's, he's, I love him. He's, he's a great actor. I, and he plays it per- perfectly, but they're talking and the pikey guy yells at his buddy. Who's the black guy. He goes, Hey, get in the ring. You black cunt. Are, are you, I can't fight spar myself. And this, I, I really think they were making fun of America and our PC-ness in the movie. If you watch, I really do because it, it's hitting right on the head. And, the black, the black actor, the black guy playing the play, playing the black fighter, looks at Colin Farrell, who's the coach of both of them, and he goes, "Did he just call me a black cunt?" And Colin Farrell said, "Yes, he did." He goes, "That's racist." He goes, "Well, no, because he's being specific to you. He's not saying all black people are cunts. He's saying you are. <laughs> you're a cunt." And he goes, "And if it comes from a place of the heart, I think it even means a, it's, it's a sore, it's a word of affection." He goes, well, I wouldn't call him a pikey cunt because pikey is a, a, a slander word for gypsy. He goes, well, if it came from the heart, I think he would take, you know, he would say if he would. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know, but he goes, yeah. he would, I think he would take it, take he would take great care and know that it was from love. And then it stops. But when I watched that scene and, you know, the gentleman came out during has come out in the last year year and a half when we, you know, when we are continually become more crazy and PC. And that was when the woke culture came up right in that time, the gentleman came out. I honestly think that guy, Richie, who's the director of it. I honestly think he was making fun of America with that scene because he, he's spot on. He's spot on because like me and you, you know, you can call me a man. Uh, Tano, stop being a dirty spick. Well, I, I'm not going to take offense to it because you and I are friends. But that's yeah, what we got uh, going down that route. Context. context. We've gotten to the point where it's like the context doesn't matter. It's just it, the words, <laughs> even if the context is in a, you know, you're, you're, is in that, a joking way. But that's also why I think we need to get an ASEAN because, or a UK or somebody. Because when we do work together, we have those interactions where we're making fun of each other like that. But it is out of a place of love. So yeah. that's why I love and, and I And they do. They, they are. I think it'd be awesome to get one. I'll have to remember his, I'll remember his name. We worked at Blackwater together. I think he's still out there teaching as well. And as instructor, he was a very, very good instructor. So uh, we'll get him on and we'll get one. We'll, we'll find one, but we got some Kate, we got some Canadians. I mean, that's. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kind of. They're kind of fresh. Yeah. Well, we'll do it. Well, <laughs> I should have um, I should have made it happen maybe during Shark Week because he's involved in the Shark Week stuff. The only Australian military guy I ever interviewed, I don't believe he's special ops, but it was uh, Paul DeGelder. <laughs> Who okay. was uh, I know he was a Navy diver. I think he was also an Army veteran, if I remember correctly. And he lost two of his limbs in a in a wild shark attack. attack wow! Yeah, I'd like to. Ha- I'd love to have him on, dude. That's I, yeah. That's so that's man, like he's a been phobia. On shark Week to talk about it. Holy, that's a phobia of mine. I am scared of sharks, and I'm scared of snakes to the point of when you're scared not to run, I will kill them. I, I'm that afraid of them. I I hate them. I hate them, and it's not. Just it's like you stay away from me. I'll stay away if you come towards me. You're dead because I I'm complete fear of 
of yeah, dude, I love to have them on because I I'm fascinated. I'm the but you know I'm that that phobia that deathly afraid of sharks and snakes that I want to hear about it. It interests me. So yeah, I'd love to have I'd love to have him on. I, I really would. Yeah, or- he's the only like I said, I think he's the only Australian mill guy I've ever interviewed, uh, and he was great. So yeah, we'll we'll make that happen. I think we could do that. And anyone that you want to get on to, yeah. The, the problem is we just have so we have such a big list of guys we got to get on, guys we got to get back on. So yeah, we'll make it happen. Anyway, this uh, next yeah. one is from James Walper. He's uh, he's uh, emailed us a few times. He's been a long time listener of the show. Uh, so he writes between Yuri Bezmenov's warning in the '80s and the social credit score that seems to have made its way to our shores and internet. Do you think we have the ability to spend the next thirty plus years to reverse the social subversion that is happening in America and the Western world? I generally worry when I see the political warship and virtually all elected f- officials are playing this insane game. And he gives me some references to uh, sure. China's social credit score during 2015 and Yuri Bezmenov's lectures about the KGB generational social subversion program uh, to get America to fight itself. Very much happening now. And the interesting thing is, he writes, he says, the thing I love most about America, I'm a Canadian, by the way, is that you still have a bottom up government here in Canada. Our provinces can't stand up to our federal government. You guys still have some freedom left. If things suck, you can move a few miles and get and it gets better. We don't <laughs> yeah. have that here. Uh, so that's from James. Uh, you know, go. Ahead. We'll take turns. You start off on this one. Then this is you. Start yeah, sure. I will. I'm just keeping track of how many emails we have. I mean, yeah, the social credit score thing is pretty crazy. And I think it plays in now to uh, social media, of course. You know, yeah. if you post certain yeah. things like, for example, I just saw Rand Paul today. Uh, whether people agree with it or not, was uh, questioning the effectiveness of the mask stuff and YouTube pulled down his channel. You know, you're seeing a lot more of that type of thing. And then even beyond social media, yeah, um, there definitely is a social credit score type thing happening. I don't know if it's to the extreme that some people are making it. We're definitely not to the level that China is at. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, getting to the point where you don't get in line with what the masses are getting in line with. Um, you know, some of the stuff happening with the vaccine. Uh, I mean, I could say myself, I've gotten vaccinated <clears throat> personally. I think people should, I'm not in favor of mandating it though. I pretty much have the same opinion as someone like Ron DeSantis. And when you talk about here in New York, you know, not, I'm not in New York city, but a few miles away in New York city, this whole idea of, um, having, uh, the, you know, passport to the city. If you get the vaccine that you could participate in regular society, you can go to a gym, you can go to a restaurant. Yeah. That, that stuff is ridiculous. And I don't think it's effective. Um, like I said, I, I do think people should, should do this, um, but voluntarily and that, and doing that is definitely the closest we've come, I think in like modern age to a social credit score. I, I am, uh, you know, with, with social media, you know, I feel about social media and, and a social credit score. <laughs> I talk. Yeah, I, I have to be careful too. I think we should because saying that we need to fall in line with the masses. I don't think it's if we get true numbers, it's the masses. It's who controls the media. So classifying them as the masses that means saying they have the majority of people that want to do this. That's horseshit. I don't think that's it at all. But they have control of of the media where they can put the most stuff out. So they it's it's called a, really in the military we call it a force multiplier. When you have a less amount of people, but you can take on a bigger force because you have a jet or because you have artillery or because you have something that is going to cause mass casualties. Well, that's what social media is to this smaller group of people that's wanting to make themselves seem like there are more of them out there 
and and we have to be careful of that. The only way to really reverse that or to fight that is just continue to press on. You just continue to use the social media, continue to do what you're going to do. Um, don't stop the way you're doing things. Um, you know, I, I unless don't, it's going to, I personally feel, and I don't mean to interrupt you. I feel like unless it's going to affect your livelihood and you need it, you know, I think for some people, they probably shouldn't have social media because I, for a lot of people, it's not worth the risk. If you post something that your employer doesn't like, and then you're unemployed, was it worth? Well, and, and that's, and that's, and that's common sense. You know, that's part of the p- fifth principle of patrolling that you have to live by. Everybody should live by the five principles of patrolling, planning, recon, security control, and common sense. Common sense is always the last one. If you're going to do something that's going to get you fired by your job, then don't do it. I mean, it's the same thing as don't drink when you come into work, right? You, you don't want to come into work drunk. It's the same thing as posting something that your boss or your superior says, Hey, we don't want to get involved with this. And a lot of, I think, I I don't think a lot of, uh, at least a lot of that groups I've spoken for that have social media, they don't say, Hey, you can post all left stuff and not right stuff. It's don't post anything, especially on company time. Don't get into the weeds. And that's when people get into it. And then they say, well, I was, I was banded because just I was fired or I was reprimanded because I posted a political post. No, it wasn't that. It's they said they didn't want you to post anything, nothing. Don't do it, um, and and you go ahead and do it anyway. That's now that's and that's that's the job. That's it should be. I mean, it, there should be um, some parameters when you're working uh, in a corporation or for a company uh, because they have to maintain some level of control, and what you do is reflective of that company itself. I, I honestly think. In the in the military, I think they should limit posts from people in the military. I really do. I now, granted, we never had that, so we never had to post. We never had access to any of that stuff because it wasn't. I'm. This is how old I am, guys. It wasn't there. I mean, we had MySpace or something like that when I went. Yeah. The and and the problem is too with with military posting. I could just say from the past is that the good stuff, the you know, military volunteering and helping oh, yeah. out little kids and and rescuing people from. Uh, Islamic terrorism. That's not the stuff that goes viral. It's the video. Like I remember a video when I was in college of a military guy and I don't know if it was real or not, but it got spread of a military guy allegedly throwing a dog off a cliff, Um, you know, or, or these guys teasing these little kids in Afghanistan with a bottle of water. They were chasing after a car. You probably saw it. And I think that is not what usually goes on, but that's what gets attention. Bad news gets attention. And then it's hard though. And you're exactly right, brother. It's always the bad stuff. We've talked about it on this before. I've, I've specific personal examples where if I posted something negative, I got a hell of a lot more of an interaction than when I post something positive. I can tell just by the way I've changed my post since I nuked all that negativity I had back in the day. It's, it's a lot. Now, granted, I think it's coming back though. I, I can see that people are starting to, get tired of this shit. There are more people. It's slow. It's not as viral as something negative, but if we remain positive, if we keep posting positive stuff and we keep fighting that negative with a positive. Yes, it takes longer. Of course it does. But anything that is worth doing is going to take work. I, that's my grandpa taught me that an, an, an immigrant from Mexico. You've got, you got to work at it. You got to keep pressing at it and you're going to win. Eventually it's like anything else. You're going to win eventually if you keep doing it, just don't give up. And I think people give up because we're in that fast food society here. It's got to happen right now. We're you, you and I are having this experience with the podcast. Yeah. We want it to blow up right now, but no, that's we're, we're not political. We're, it's not going to happen. But every time we put, we get the show, we do a little bit better. We do a little bit better and it's positive and it's staying in the wheelhouse that we want to. So we, 
I don't believe that we are hamstrung by some social credit or social media influence because we've stayed not neutral. We just stay positive. And, yeah. and that's where I just tell people, hey, yes, it's out there. If you want to get into it, if you want to get into politics and you want to go right or left, yes, you're going to get slanted. You're going to get shadow banned. You're going to have some credit, negative credit score. If you're right, you are, it's just how it is guys. I'm, I'm not, and, I'm, and especially <clears throat> right now, I think this is one of the first times that and th- this is pretty factual. I'd say at this point, if anybody wants to debate on this, I understand, but um, that the U S government is colluding with social media. This is the first time I've seen like a press secretary being mm-hmm. sure. You know, she said, for example, I think if you get banned off Twitter, you should get banned off all platforms. Why is the government deciding that? Why are they colluding with these companies? That's the agency. That's the CIA dude guys. The agency is, is a sham agency is a joke. They, the reason being is because, and we would make jokes of this downrange as we saw Less and less of us going after and trying to infiltrate and, and and fight our enemies. It was easier to go ahead and just influence inside and fight ourselves. We saw that. I saw that personally in the agency as I continue to grow. And it is. It's it's the reason being and I'll, and CIA case officers, you can be all mad at me if you want. It's because you guys are no good at going and trying to infiltrate terrorists, trying to info, trying to figure out what's I shouldn't say no good. You're you're. You're not as good as you used to be, and it's easier to go ahead and influence our own society here and control yeah. the United States of America. Because first of all, the language barrier. Second of all, we you you do, we don't blend in. White college kids, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants that <laughs> that go to the CIA do not blend in. Um, where you know where here it's it's easier to influence, and I do feel like, and it's safe. It's, bottom line, it's safer. It's more risk averse. Well, I was also going to say, though, it is uh, over here, but let's all you could also keep in mind all these companies, Facebook, Twitter, they're all American owned. But there's there's foreign influence on there. There are Islamic terrorists on Twitter. There are. So it's not like they're just banning people in America. They are banning outside influences. And he he mentioned this. I mean, it plays into the social credit score thing. And we talked about it on the episode with, I hate saying his code name, but Coriolanus. I wish I could just say his real name. Um, we talked guy. about it with him, but like, yeah. it's a known fact. Russia was not only buying pro-Trump stuff on social media, they were buying Black Lives Matter ads and they were buying, they and were, they were, they were organizing events. And the whole point as, as I keep wanting to say his name, as Coriolanus said, <laughs> was that um, it wasn't about getting Trump elected. It was about creating distrust, distrust. in America, which is yeah. also why. Um, we've talked about this. I mean, you haven't been on there in ages, but like I have a problem with RT. RT is, you know, Russia state run television. And the only reason they have Americans on, I would say, is to be on there to say, look how bad America is. Look what America gets yeah. wrong. So I think when they have you on for Benghazi, honestly, and I don't know if you disagree with me, I and I know you don't do that type of stuff anymore, but I think they were having you guys on to say, wow, look how fucked up America is. Look how bad their government is. And they'll never have someone on to say America is the greatest well, country. And well, that no. they don't want to hear. Well, and, and honestly, all the if, if you want to be be fair, all the news networks would do that. All the all the news networks would do. That. Look how fucked uh, fucked. Well, it's one side. Look how fucked up it is, and look how fucked up the government is because our people aren't in charge. And no, you're right. That's why I stopped doing media. That's why I stopped doing any of it. And then if you're on the other side, it was embellishing the good things or not bringing up the bad things. The, the other side, the foxes. I, I think and- R- RT specifically is there 
to make America look bad it, from Russia. We make ourselves look bad, dude. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. We we do it to ourselves. We should. But our, no, do I like our team? No, I, I agree with I'm agreeing with you on that point. But I also am going a step further and say we make ourselves look bad. We divide ourselves. We have Foxes and CNNs and the social me- credit score and and the, the social media outlets that are mainly left wing. We have it. We fight amongst ourselves, and and your and your RT is there just going stirring the pot as much as the, our enemies are as well. We we are imploding. Um, we are, but I don't. Again, I don't want to get to where I'm like that guy that says it's going to go that way, and we're going to continue going down that path. I don't think we will. There are people like yourself. There are people that we've had on the show. There are people that are out there that are saying, "Hey, we can get out of this. We just have to." minimize the amount of time we spend on social media and or just get off of it entirely which i did for a while which immensely helped and we got to put uh, stop putting as much stock in 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 the media i you know i this is you can't be a cnn follow be somebody and says well i don't really watch cnn except for jake tapper he's awesome no you're still watching so or on the fox side I, no, I don't really watch for Fox News, except for Tucker Carlson. Now, I like it. I might you're, be that guy. I, but, I actually like I like Tucker. <laughs> but that's the thing is that is that if you're either going to be in it or you're going to be out of it. But if you're going to be in it, then stop worrying because this is what they're doing to you. They're trying to make you worry to create div- division and to create dissension and to make us weaker. And so their political candidates can come in power. That's what happens in the Middle East with al-Iraqi TV. Al-Arabia TV, Al-Libyan TV. They've got that down already. If anything, all those veterans coming back should have already learned from being overseas, watching the propaganda. This is exactly what we're doing. They're doing here. It's not media anymore. It's propaganda. Um, And if you can't take it with a grain of salt and see it for what it is, well, then you're going to worry and you're going to have a miserable life. You're going to be like I was three years ago. It, being miserable. Yeah, maybe I was making some money, but I was completely miserable because my side had to be right. Well, bullshit. It wasn't, my side wasn't right and no sides were right. The only side to be right is what you've got around you and your family. You've got your family staying positive within yourself, staying virtuous within yourself and not trying to force that on other people. They've got to figure it out for themselves. And, and but um, getting back to the social credit score. Yeah. And, and all that. Yeah, it's there. The, the, the thing is, though, is do you have to follow it? Do you have to play into it? Or can you make your own path and start doing your own thing? Which is what I think. Honestly, I think the podcast, Battleline Podcast, that's what we are doing. Is, is Yeah. On some level, though, um, you know, when I think of the whole idea of social credit score, people could isolate a clip from you or I, and it could affect you in the future, uh, in the eyes of the government, in the eyes of a future employer. They, you know. Um, I want, I know we're staying on this topic a while, but I want to one other thing because it's, it's sticking with me is the one that I'm personally most afraid of that I think is going to influence social credit and, and, and influence the future more than ever. And Alex Hollings talked about it on the show with us and believe it or not, I heard Ashton Kutcher talk about it from the same standpoint and he was spot on. I'm most worried about TikTok because TikTok is a Chinese run company that gives American data to the Chinese Communist Party. And I don't, I'm not so naive to believe they're just doing it to yeah. look at dance moves, you know, like, and the problem is it's the kids on there who are preteens yeah. and they're going to be the most influenced by that stuff of anybody. And I do think they're going to run anti-America campaigns to be targeted towards the youth. 
and to make based, China look based better. Based off than that the data US. collection, based off that data, all that stuff, yeah. man. And, and yeah. I've I've already seen so much misinformation on TikTok, and people think, um, you know, like with the whole Palestine Israel thing, people get their information from these small videos that really don't give a, a real view of what's going on. Um, and I think we're going to see more of it from China, I th- you know, because it's a Chinese-run company. So hey, I who- think they're going to run huge pro-China propaganda targeted towards 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, and to continue this trend of anti-America among the youth. Oh, and who's the one that wanted to get rid of TikTok? Trump, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying it, guys. I agree with you on that. You, know, yeah. you just keep it. So, and that's where we get on this social credit score, where we stu- start to lose our, we lose our, our, again, we lose our common sense that every politician, if it's not on your side, is doing terrible things. That's that's not the truth. A politician is fallible like anybody else. But even Bill Clinton did kept the even though I, I don't care for the Clintons, as you all know that I could care. Sure. I, I really dislike him. But did Bill Clinton do well on the economy? Fuck, yeah, I did. And I will say that I'm not dumb. I'm not so stuck in my my ideological ways that I won't admit success when I see it. But that's the thing that the, the both sides now can't do with Trump or Biden or whoever else, even in the locals, is that even when they do something good and it's not your candidate or it's not the person you support, you'll find a way to rationalize why it became good. And it's going to rationalize back to my side or whatever. That's why. You I know get, what? I'll, I'll, and I'll <clears> say this. I agreed with Trump with TikTok. The problem with it, in my opinion, was he didn't do a good, and this was always the problem, in my opinion, he didn't do a good job articulating it. I think people got the idea that they were like, oh, he wants to ban TikTok because people are trolling him. They don't like him. He needed to make it clear. No, this is, and he very rarely said, this is American data going to Chinese companies. I didn't really hear him articulate that. And that should have been the focal point. We don't want to give our data to communists in China. That's a pretty easy Point to agree. I, I, you know, I know whether it was him or not, you know, me with how much I watch the media and the news. But when I did, because I think I, I want to say we, we talked about it on the show and then I did go research yeah. it. I saw, saw that in the article, whether he said it or not. And I don't even remember which article I, I, I know. I try to stay right in the, on there. So it was either I don't know. It was like an AP article. I, I didn't go search it on Fox or something or, or CNN. Or I was so I don't know who wrote it if, and I could care less. But I do remember reading that whether Trump said that or whether one of his aides said that, I don't know, but that's what I remember reading when it first popped up. It's because of the data collection. And I agree. I agreed with that too. Um, I know we go, we go down rabbit holes on this, but again, I I think, I think it's It's a good good question. It is. It's excellent question. And it comes down to guys, you have to unplug at least every once in a while you got to unplug. We, we, we are so, you know, housewives of New Jersey, real world, all this stuff that that's we've turned our politics into that it's form of entertainment. And it's uh, we're finding that is deathly wrong and it's destroying. It's just destroying our ability to be together as a country. But podcasts and good podcasts and we're not just ours, but there's other ones out there. We have the ability and I'm putting the onus on us. We have the ability to bring it back center so people can have good discussions and still see that they get along from real people. It's not that four or five minute take from the, from a mainstream media and that this country still is in, uh, still has a great future ahead of it. Um, if we, again, if we unplug from what's turning not into news anymore, it's turning into propaganda. 
Um, and actually, we we can have discussion. Ian's a big on. Ian's going to get the vaccine. I I never will. I will. already did. I did. yeah. Ian, Ian did it, but I don't hate him for it. I'm not going. Oh, you she's you <laughs> commie, and he's not going to say, oh, you you crazy three percent, or you're infecting the world. It's it's our choice, and and um, it's it's choices. But I also agree. You're know, talking about. Oh, well, maybe there's a vaccine question in there because uh, I I saw something about the mil- military get people were all up in arms about the military getting being yeah i'm like dude we were we were mandatory vaccines were mandatory when i said yeah that was it's that, not like that was my was, reaction yeah. as well like when you join the military there's a lot of mandatory stuff that oh yeah, yeah. That's not a new thing and and that back when i was in anthrax was a big threat so we had I've to get the we had, to, we had to get the anthrax vaccines that was uh how many shots did i get um, Holy shit! I like didn't even realize that. And if you're in special operations, you have to have all the vaccines because you're going into countries, you know, like that. So uh, to me, I, I, I guess we, we went off course a little bit, but we're answering a question. Hey, Tana, what do you? Th- I'm answering my own question. Hey, Tana, what do you think <laughs> about the military getting the vaccine, the COVID vaccine? So what? We got every vaccine in the world anyway. That's part of being in the military. So I, I don't. I, I think that's perfectly fine because I should see my shot record. And, but that's required of you, and you accept it when you go in the military. And if you go into special operations, you even go to the next level of vaccines. That's why I really don't worry about getting a vaccine now because I don't think there's any more room for anything else in my <laughs> my there's, fucking body. And, and also, I mean, yeah, there's there's a huge <laughs> difference between being a private citizen and yeah. being in the military. As a yeah. private citizen, you should have that right to do what you want to do. And when you are in the military, you you, give up those <laughs> you have no rights. But it's that choice that you make, and we make fun of it but it's the god honest truth but when you join the military and especially you go to those levels of ranger seals pjs you're doing it and you accept that you know it going in you should if you don't then probably shouldn't be going in so all right i, yeah. I know i went down that rabbit hole no we and the last point i'll give on this just because i mentioned the tiktok thing and how it's going to affect yeah. young people i would just say look i don't have kids i have no uh you know i have no room to tell people how to parent or anything but if you have young kids, just teaching them why America is a great country in our history, <clears throat> yeah. because chances are they're not going to learn that in school and you have to do it on your own. That's a good and point. also on social media, they're going to get a lot of anti-America propaganda. So if you're not teaching them why America is great, they might not get it anywhere else. So that's the yeah. last point I'll yeah. make on that. Okay. So yeah, I got this email here from Matt Menko. Uh, Hey guys, just wanted to know your opinion on this article and what will happen in the future to come. It seems like since U.S. troops have left, this has been a major problem on Afghanistan capitals. Love the podcast and so happy you guys have kept it going so long. Many thanks, Matt. And this is from uh, Reuters. Afghanistan war, Taliban capture three regional capitals. Oh, they captured three. Yeah. Yeah, and it says the Taliban have captured three regional capitals in Afghanistan as they continue to make sleeping territorial gains in the country. They seized control of the key northern city of uh, Kunduz. Kunduz. Am I saying that right? Yep, Kunduz. Yep. On Sunday, as well as Sar-e-Pul and Talaquan. It means five regional capitals have fallen to the militants on Friday, with Kunduz being the most important gain this year. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but yeah, that's that's the email. Yeah, I I, I don't I, I the Taliban will they gain complete control? They can have the outers. It, it, it would be hard for the Afghan security forces, the Afghan National Army, to hold the outer bases just because they're so. I mean, we're talking about we, rural, rural doesn't even describe them desolate, <laughs> isolated. Um, but you know that's why. 
um, the Northern Alliance could fight the Taliban because they weren't a national army. They were a militia in themselves. And that's how you have to fight out there in those regions. It's got to be a militia, something that is not regimented, that can function autonomously on its own, um, can make decisions on its own, doesn't need a command structure to tell them what to do unless, you know, the United States has the capabilities to do that because we're good at, even though, even, even though some of us will complain, it's still a little slow getting information from the chain of command. It could be better. Um, but that's why special operations is so good is because most commanders will allow their leaders on the ground to make decisions. I don't think the Afghan national army is at that point. So I think they're going to lose a lot of those exterior bases because they don't have the ability to, to, to communicate. And I think there is, there always is a control issue because of tribes in Afghanistan, more so than even Americans. So, um, yeah, they're going to lose them. I, I think we worry, we should worry if they lose Kabul or Kandahar or both. Um, or well, Kandahar is the second biggest city. That is probably the one that's that needs to be reinforced. They need to keep that one to maintain the southern southern uh, control of the southern region, having Kandahar. And then Kabul, you lose Kabul, you lose the country. Um, so, um, I, you know, I, does that does that surprise me? No, that's the Taliban. That's what they're going to do. They're waiting for us to leave. They're they're going to come in. They're always going to have fighters. Um, you know, there's no way because they go hide in Pakistan. So we, we can't kill them all. And they, they know how to blend in. So Americans don't like collateral damage. And, and I don't either. You don't want to kill women and children. And the Taliban know that. That's how they're able to blend in and so well. And they go hide and they hide. They, they would hide their arms in children's um children's orphanages guys children's schools we would find that and i remember one time we did hit a children's school not we as me but the u.s military did when we were in afghanistan and um oh man the media went crazy you know, oh how could you do that how could you do that they were hiding it's kind of similar to happens to israel a lot too it, it, you know, is that, is that, it's the same thing and the media you're here we're talking about how the, there's the media again just you know it's like hey dude shut the fuck up you have no idea but the Taliban know how to work on our. I've always said this. I said this when I used to go on the news back in the day. The Taliban will always be able to play on our sympathies. Terrorists know how to play on American and Western sympathies. That's why we will never be able to beat them because we can't look bad on media, on social media, even though war doesn't give two shits about social media. Um, and the Afghani National Army pulling them out. Yet yeah, we, we had to do something. We can't just stay in Afghanistan. Um, we've given the Afghani National Army enough time to get better. How long has it been? 20 years to so, yeah. or so to, you know, we've got to just let it go and say, hey, it's your show, guys. What do you want to do? What do you want to do with it? And I think you'll see a lot of a lot of uh, the ANA guys, Afghani National Army, you know, defect over to the Taliban side of the house because, um you know, honestly, I, I think that's just the way of the world over there in Afghanistan. It's just they're always going to have wars. They're always going to be fighting and there's never going to be a democracy there. And really, there never was anyway because of the tribes, various tribes in power, various um, people with significant last names that remain in power. Ah, how does that, does that sound familiar? Um, but it's they can do they can reinforce it with guns. And this is why we always say on the podcast, too, this is why you don't want a civil war, because the same people remain in power when you try to take them out of power, then you get these extremists and then there's just wars and battles forever. And the, I mean, you should, if you have never, even if you never saw pictures of Kabul in the 1960s, how beautiful it was, the roses, that place is famous for roses, the places and just how, and then after 
you know, the Russian invasion. And then also then the, then the really what destroyed it all was the tribal wars. It wasn't even us coming in or the Russians coming in. What destroyed it was the, the battle between Hekmatur and Massoud and Rabani and Saif and, and then, you know, Taliban extremists, which is part of Hekmatur's guys. It, 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 it will go on forever. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't think having Americans there was going to do anything unless we went in and just kicked the living shit out of them. Going to have collateral damage. You got it's going to kind of like what we did in Mosul to ISIS with the Kurds, with the Kurds helped us. Um, Peshmerga is awesome. It's going there and just blowing the shit out and crushing them and then leaving. But it, it's a sad story because it is because I, I know what's going to happen to those people that fall alongside of us. Um, I think. That's where it will end and it will stay just like that. The Taliban will have the exterior and the ANA and the Democratic people that support the ANA will have the two major cities. And that's going to be Afghanistan for a long time. But if the Taliban takes Afghanistan or Kabul, get ready again for a possible because they'll they'll use that just like uh, bin Laden used it to train and stage for attacks on on Western bases and even America again. That now yeah. they've got a whole country again. It goes back to Osama bin Laden again. But what do you do if we're not willing to fully invest and win a war and we're going to occupy us? What you can't continue to occupy a country because it, it and you're not going to change them into democracy. It's not going to happen. I've said it a countless times. So all right, what's your take, man? What do you think? I mean, I don't have anything to add to what you're saying. I think I think you're correct. And and this is really honestly, it's one of those questions that's way more your expertise. I, I haven't been over there. I, I haven't served. Um, I do agree that we have to pull out at some point. And, yeah. you know, I think it's just going to be a uh, consequence that there's going to continue to be chaos over there. And people are going to feel like, why did we go in there in the first place? Yeah. And I understand yeah. that. Well, I'm, I'm one of those guys and I'm sure. You know, other rangers that we've had on, some of your buddies are feel the same way. And you're like, hey, well, what the fuck, dude? But I have to also remember that I did enjoy my time over there. I did. Enjoy, so there wasn't all I, I'm not going to turn into that jaded. Fuck America. Fuck. We fuck. I went over there, too. And I had I, I, I if you hate me, hate me. I had fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed the Afghanis. So I love Afghanistan. Those people are amazing. Just fucking amazing people. Um, but politicians be damned as always politicians and upper brass in the military. They don't look to win and help wars. They look to agendas and they look to what can help them in the next election or help them on the next promotion. And, and as long as they're in charge, that's, it's always going to be, we're going to have this over and over and over again. But if, uh, and, and mark it here, if they do take Kabul, and they take Kandahar, we will have another attack on U.S. soil. We will, because that is, that's what bin Laden did. That was his staging area. And that's where we had a chance to kill him when Clinton was in office. Here's a knock on Clinton when he decided not to. And they had, they could have got him with a hellfire, right? Bam. And then we could have supported Massoud a little bit more, which we didn't, the Northern Alliance, and they would have took him out for us as well. Then Afghanistan is that's the that's the epicenter, and if the, if the Taliban gets control of it, then terrorists are going to have another training ground and an awesome training ground to stage attacks on Western and, and what, now help me correct me for I don't want to be wrong Western and Israeli or is it, is it just it's it's two different things when I say it I say Western 
Western oh, yeah. and Israeli, or would I say, does it all stay in the yeah, same? I guess it would. I mean, because the West, right? We think <clears throat> like Canada, America, yeah. right? I mean, so yeah, you know. but I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's Israel is surrounded by it's one little place the size of New Jersey, surrounded <laughs> by Islamic countries. Yeah, and there'll be more tax on Israel as well. So yeah, that's it. That's, all that's right. It. Well, um, I'll get to this next one from Jill Zacco, who always sends us great emails. She she is a huge fan of the show. Really appreciate you, Jill. Uh, she writes, hi, Chris and Ian. My question has to do with extortion 17. I've read the book by Don Brown and now with the documentary coming out and it being hopefully put in the forefront again, do you think we are ever going to know what happened aboard the Chinook that fateful night? What are your thoughts? There are so many eyebrow raising questions. Love you guys and love the podcast. Uh, the answer Chinook, just Chinook. Chinook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I don't, I, do you want me to answer this? Do you want yeah, to take the first I, I, one? Oh, this is you. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I, you know, loss of life. And most of them were SEAL Team 6, if I believe right. Um, this, extortion 17, for those of you guys that don't know, that was the uh, Chinook that went up uh, without cover, without any Blackhawk cover or any other uh, air cover to go up and rescue Marcus Luttrell and his team. Um, and were they, all, were, they, were they all extortion seven? Uh, were they all seals? Cause I no, no, right, no, they, they weren't. All, I'm, I'm looking, no. I'm looking it up just to, cause that I don't remember. I mean, the, the, um, it says the, killed 38 people on board, 25 special operations personnel, that's five U S army national guard and yeah. army reserve crewmen, seven Afghan commandos and one Afghan interpreter, as well as a U.S. military working dog. Yeah, okay. so the, so all the National Guard guys were the that was the Hilo crew and the crew chiefs and so forth. The special ops guys were SEALs um, from SEAL Team, I believe SEAL Team Six, uh, and um, but um, you know they normally at that time Chinooks didn't go up in those areas without some form of cover. But that cover of the Apache gunships that could have been covering or the DAPs, the Direct Action Penetrators, the Black Hawks they were actually on another mission. They were actually responding to something in, in I want to say in JBAD, in Jalalabad. So they were unavailable, but I, I don't think it was incorrect by the SEALs getting on that bird and saying, well, we're going up anyway. Our brothers are in trouble. I, I'd have done the same thing. So, and, and and so, but um, there was, from what I understanding, um, and I talked to the pilot of it, there was a, a specter up in the air at that point in time <clears throat> that was relaying information that there were hostiles, you know, where they were located and they were asking for permission. Maybe this will come out in the TV show. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to give you the name of the pilot because it's still, it, she's, she's still under scrutiny <laughs> uh, and it's not, I don't want to get her in trouble. Um, but what she told me is they were, they were flying up in the air and they did see, and they did ask for permission to take out the hostiles, but they weren't given the, the okay to, because it wasn't confirmed that they were hostiles. So when the Chinook got up there, you know, they were, and they just RPG'd the shit out of that thing and it came down because up that high in the air, Chinook, it's an awesome bird. It's strong as fuck. Uh, if you ever have the chance to read um, um, about the story of Tucker Gar, where the seal fell out of a, the back of a Chinook and then the Rangers QRF came up. Um, and that was where the, you know, the Medal of Honor for um, Chapman was for the Army, I mean, the Air Force CCT. Um, those things are a beast. They'll take a beating, but that thing, you know, it did. And it, and it can't maneuver very well. So when you're stationary up there, it's really just a floating balloon that you're shooting a little think of shooting a BB gun out of a floating balloon that's right in front of you. Um, but yeah, and it, and it yeah it killed them all because it came down and crashed and the crash 
uh, you know, killed from, I mean, maybe there were some alive that were executed. I, I don't think so, but who, I wouldn't. The crash, though, supposedly killed everybody and, and the RPG's explosion. So um, what the big issue was, is was those, was that, that, that that specter that that plane that was up in the air um had the ability to stop the attack before it could even start um so i think that's going to be a discussion on the tv show that's coming out um but it comes back again to just politics and war and people in command that aren't willing to make decisions because of the possibility of making a bad decision um but like I always say, when I do my speeches, I always talk like this. I do my, I still do a lot of talks. I said, when you're in charge, the worst thing you can do is make no decision, make a decision, whether it's good or bad and go with it. And you'll be able to adjust fire if it's a bad decision, if you're well-trained and if you're smart, which those guys obviously were, they're still team six, come on. And, and the air crew, air crews are always well-trained. I, some of the best air crews I've been on are our national guard, air guard. They fly, they get more hours a lot of times than the regular army aviation guys except for a task force um but making no decision and waiting which is what i believe happened and it's why you know i I would have rather saw a commander tell the specter say yeah take those guys out and then have fox and cnn reporting that that uh, and then them get you know lone survive get marcus and his team out of there safely and then come back later and them say oh well you, you killed a bunch of goat herders and I, hey, hate me if you want. I'm sorry. It's, fuck it. It's war. That's just fucking how it is. The chances of that happening, though, are probably l- low to none because they're coming into a gunfight. So who the fuck else would be? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who the fuck else would be there? Um, but I'd rather see that than see what we're seeing now where we lost a bunch of tremendous operators because of the, not having the balls to make a fucking decision. And uh, that's what's lacking and that's what's continue. I believe it's continually lacking in leadership today uh, in the military is that you don't have people that are willing to make those hard decisions and possibly get reprimanded. Um, you have people in there that are going to just do what the fuck they're told by people that have no idea what's going on or has never been in it before. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it that actually does bother me. The extortion thing does bother me a little because it, it, it almost kind of reminds me of Benghazi. It does mm-hmm. because those guys did. Except, they yeah, you with, guys lived and none of them lived. So. Except and, and they lived. And that was, but that's, that is the, that's, that's the, I mean, that is the minute difference. It's that it just could have went sideways in one particular way with us. All they had to do was bring a car bomb on our base, just right up to the gate. And it would have killed all of us because our base was so fucking small. I don't know why they didn't VBID the fuck our base. They could have, but that's what I'm saying is that, they still went, even though they weren't supposed to, even though they didn't have the right assets, they did had no cover. They were not supposed to go. They still said, fuck you, we're going. And they did the right thing. The guys on the ground and their leadership fucking failed them. Our leadership failed us. We just got lucky because they didn't bring the assets that they should have to kill us. They could have, they had them. They just didn't do it. Where in that aspect, they did have the assets to kill them. And in both both scenarios, we had we had like uh, us, we had a drone in the air watching everything. They had a specter up in the air watching everything as well. And the specter could have just fucking tore them up. And yeah. Now again, may, again, maybe I got my information completely wrong. And Tano, you're fucked up. You're inform- I, but that's what I understand. That's what I know. And the pilot of that bird 
I know, I know her. She was, it was a female pilot. I know one of them, you know, there's multiple pilots. There's most, there's a big crew on that thing. And, um, she was going to come out and say, I think she actually did come out on the news once and say something. And, um, I, 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 I want to say her face was blacked out, but it never went anywhere. So maybe this is, maybe this is, she, she survived. She was in a different, she was in a a C-130, AC-130. Over okay. up in the air. Or those, I mean, I'm assuming everybody in the actual plane we know correct, right? So this is a different. No, that that yeah, this is a different one. This is one that provides provide uh, an AC Spectre, an AC 130 gunship. It's actually up in the air. Uh, it covers us with 105. Uh, it's a 105, I believe, 105 millimeter uh, gun, and a lot of them have a, a 40 millimeter and 40 millimeter grenade. Like it's like a, a grenade launcher. I don't know if the new ones do. And then it has a recordless up there as well. And it, dude, that thing, if you ever watch it, that thing can pinpoint accuracy to a mill to a, to a, you know, within one to 10 meters with fucking a cannon. And it's so basically there, there were people there who could tell the story, but they've just chosen uh, not to come out or, or been been threatened to not come out or risking their career. Kind of like we were, and kind of like many that still were there with us in Benghazi that chose not to, not to show their faces because uh, it it is, it's scary. It's scary getting possible because, you know, I'm not Hillary Clinton. I can't destroy intelligence. I can't, I can't go out there and do the wrong thing and, and then lie about it in front of Congress. If I do, I've signed a statement that says, if you violate these national security, you're going to prison for 10 years and you get a quarter million dollar fine. That would happen to me just like it would happen to them. And they lose their careers. You have to make a a choice, but the choice is what's your price on integrity? Can you live with yourself by not saying something or are you going to risk it by actually getting out there and speaking the truth? And maybe this is what this show is. Maybe some of them finally risked it. And are now we're coming out and saying, this is what happened. This is should not have happened. The seal should not have died. We had assets in p- position that could help. And you told us not to. And maybe they're looking for answers. Kind of like, you know, I, granted, when we came out to tell our story, it was to tell it. But I was also looking for answers. Why? Why did this fucking happen? It shouldn't have happened. Maybe this time this is finally getting to them. Every person that served in the military obviously has some integrity or they would not have joined. And that integrity, when it's challenged, will eventually get the best of you, which is a good thing because you're going to want to ask questions and you're going to finally go, you know what? Fuck you. I want to know what happened. Tell me, you son of a bitch up there watching it from the camera, you damn, you damn oh, oh eight, whatever the fuck it is, you, you damn general. Damn sitcom commander, damn AFRICOM commander, damn whatever commander. Why the fuck didn't you allow us to help? Why didn't you send more help? Why didn't you, why did you let politicians dictate what we were doing on the ground? And maybe this finally got to, so honestly, I, this is something I'm going to watch because I think I'm going to learn more on it. Cause I'm, I, I'm just like you, you know what I mean? I know people in there. I, I know some of them. I, I, I know kind of what happened, but I wasn't there and maybe I'm getting bad information. So yeah, yeah, I'd like to watch it. And, and, but it does mean a lot because those guys did the right thing. They did. They tried to help and they paid the fucking price with their lives, which again, all of them signed up to do. And I know they wouldn't say anything differently up in heaven. They're like, yeah, I'd do it again. I guarantee all of them are because that's what SOCOM guys do. That's what air crews do. That's what you do in those combat areas. But, um, 
I'm sure they <laughs> want to know what the fuck happened because I believe they did have the ability to kill all those guys that killed them. Not the, not the Chinook, but they had other assets in the area that could have taken out that team that took took down Extortion Seventeen. Uh, but they were given the command to not not intervene. Yeah. Uh, well. Since we were uh, mentioning Benghazi a little bit there, I, I will jump in here and talk about uh, one of our great sponsors that have been on board with us. We love what they do, and that's, of course, Bubs. And yeah. for those who don't know, the name Bub, 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 Glenn, Bub Doherty was an adventure seeker, a river guide, skier, Ironman competitor, fitness fanatic, chef, gardener, handyman, and an epic <laughs> storyteller. Bub was a national hero, a Navy SEAL who saved lives and was always the life of the party and became a best friend to all who knew him. That spirit lives within each of us. And that's what inspired the the brand Bub's Naturals, which gives 10% back to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. And they have the best uh, collagen protein on the yeah. market, as yeah. well as their MCT oil powder. And if you haven't checked them out already, I know many of you have, you're seeing great growth, whether it's in your recovery or joint recovery. And we love what they do. Yeah, guys, that stuff is second to none. I, I I swear by it. It has really helped me get my workouts back. I mean, this last weekend, I'm running around for two days. I'm 50 years old, guys. I'm running around with body armor for two days doing a class. And my joints don't hurt. You know, my back doesn't hurt anymore. The collagen really is helping over these years, rebuilding a lot of the stuff that I have tore down. But also just getting the extra protein is it gives me the energy and I'm getting, my, I'm, I'm getting, yeah, I'm never going to be huge. I don't want to be huge. I can't move around, but I'm getting the muscle mass and the muscle tone back that I lost. And it tastes good. I, I put it in my coffee. I love it in my coffee. I, when I don't have the MCT oil in my coffee in the morning and the, and the, and the, uh, and the protein, um, I'm missing something. So every morning the protein and then that MCT oil a little bit in a little bit of coffee before I go run is a tremendous pre-workout and the collagen protein and Boy, the uh, the uh, fountain of youth formula. I, look, I, I should be losing <laughs> my hair by now. I'm not. I, my fingernails are growing. I, I just feel tons better with that stuff. And that fountain of youth also has a ton of vitamin C, which is great for your immune system. That's just yep. a, that's just an asset. So, guys, uh, if you're in a protein and 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 you should be, and especially the collagen protein. Don't buy that stuff that you see that Jennifer Aniston is pushing out there. No, don't do that. You you get Bubs Naturals. That stuff is and and being named after Bubs, who not only was a tremendous individual, but also a tremendous teammate and having money go back to the Glendora Memorial Foundation. Again, that's just a cherry on top of why you should. But really, the stuff works and and it tastes good. And it's for a tremendous company. And Sean Lake is integrity up the wazoo he has he's a tremendous individual there's no reason why you should look for anything else with collagen protein or any of their other products and also you forgot the apple cider the apple yes. cider gummies and i take great. those with my vitamin c in the morning and all that i, I but guys I, I i can't believe i feel like i'm i feel like i'm 30 again literally i you know it sounds like a cliche a commercial cliche but i do and uh, my wife likes it too. So I'm good. I'm good with all yeah, that. They're, they're great. And also uh, they've been doing some cool live streams. Sean yeah. has been doing with yeah. people from all different uh, spectrums of life, really. I mean, they've had Herb Dean, the, the famous UFC uh, yeah. uh, referee, you know, and now he's MMA in general. And then the, the guy, you know, the guys from Murphy's law, if you don't know that, yeah. I mean, legendary yeah. New York hardcore band. Yeah. So the people using bubs are, they're all, 
great. So bubsnaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE, and you're going to get 20% off your order. That's for all the products that we've mentioned. You're going to get 20% off bubsnaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE. And as you just spoke about, you've been doing a lot of classes lately and on the range using Fort Scott munitions. And Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring they receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Guys, if you've been listening to this show since day one, they've been with us. They are really who keeps us floating. Yeah, yeah. So you got to check them out. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. Go to fortscottmunitions.com, click on the dealer locator on the website. Link for that is in the description and you'll find a dealer right in your area. And then on top of that, if you want to check out any products from them, t-shirts, hats, any of that cool stuff, uh, you could use the promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. And yeah, with those tactical classes, which you can see the full lineup up, uh, lineup at at uh, ChrisTantoPeranto.com or Tantosgearlocker.com. I know you're on the range and uh, sending downrange Fort Scott munitions. Yeah, it's it's still the best ammo out there. They're still making tremendous ammo, even inventing new ammo, new new uh, new 45s, tumble on impact. What I love though that's coming up here soon is that Fort Scott munitions and Battle Line are tactical are going. Since I you know since uh, well I can't tell you where I live even though I've told you eight million times. It's <laughs> just where my wife. I'm in an undisclosed. <laughs> Not disclosed, but. In this undisclosed location, we'll be actually we're making uh, battle line tactical fort defense. Now they're going to we're going to call it fort defense, which is Fort Scott Munitions range and training facility out here in Kansas. So that's something to look forward to down the road. So uh, classes locally, but also now you guys can actually come and meet and see what Fort Scott really is, Fort Scott Munitions, what Fort Defense is going to be. So they just continue to grow and get better and stronger. And I'm just happy to ride their coattails. I think, and I think we at the podcast are happy as well because they, they do take very good care of us. And that says a lot about them, but it also says a lot about their, about their products. They put a lot of heart and soul in it and it's the best out there and it's cutting edge. So if you're shooting ammo guys, home defense ammo, especially you hunters out there as well, Fort Scott Munitions. If you're going with anything else, you're 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 going substandard. So keep keep checking them out, guys. Yep. Yeah, for sure. All right. With that, we're gonna get back into what we're doing here uh, in this part one episode of Q and A, which will be a two part episode. We'll have more uh, next week as well. So let's continue with this one. Uh, question for Chris: The quote, "Older men declare war, but it is the youth that must fight and die." Uh, and he says the quote is from HH. I'm not sure, you know, who that is uh, exactly, no, but no. It says, "What are your thoughts, if any?" And that's from uh, Indian Otto. Um. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I would say that politicians declare war, and the younger men and women are the ones that go and fight it and and die in it, and but also live and see experience great. Th- I, and it's a statement that shows the negativity. 
of and and war isn't it? And war's death. There's death, but gosh, I've seen so much life in war torn countries as well. I've seen a lot of great things in war torn countries. I have uh, just you know you mentioned the, the bottle, and I, I I've been around guys that did that. Hey, hi, and, tra- and they got you know here have a bottle of water, and you're basically egging the kids. Oh yeah, on yeah, earlier on, yeah. But I've also given bottles of water and candy and MREs and stuff to to kids and to elders even and how the thankful they've been. You know, and, and you always see me. I don't know if, if you ever come see me, I'm always doing this. Well, I'll say hi to you, shake your hand, and it's just a habit. Well, that's a term of respect. And for those who don't see, you're putting your hand. I'm putting my hand. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. I know on audio. <laughs> I put my hand over my heart. That was that's a sign of respect to the Muslim Muslim uh any Muslim that I would ever conversate with or have coffee with or have chai with or, or a dip with Naswar. I tried Naswar. Don't do that guys. That stuff is think of Copenhagen times a hundred. It's like a tobacco. They choose. It's made me, I was spinning, but I did it out of respect uh, when I was in Kandahar with my little Afghani, Afghani security guard. I was with security, but it's, it's, it made friendships. And you see, because I did it so many times meeting people on the street and seeing their faces when you, when I was able to do something that was part of their culture and seeing them light up and not seeing a terrible American, which a lot of them did see a lot because of some of the bad things that happened. Some of the guys did, they, they were, they were terrible. They, they did, they shouldn't have done the things they did, but then seeing their faces light up when they're like, Oh my gosh, genuine, nice guy, American, maybe Americans aren't so bad. I wrote about this in the Ranger way um, with the, I had a truck coming at me. I'll tell the story because uh, to me, this is, this epitomizes really what war, what war tower countries are um, in a good way. Um, I was blocking position. I was on, I believe bridge to guys on Haifa street. There's bridge. You go right up big, a assa- uh, little assassin's gate. And I was blocking an area because uh, the ambassadors was with state department and um, Blackwater working state department. And I remember blocking intersection and you blocked intersections and we had ambassadors or high level VIPs diplomats coming through because they were huge targets and you didn't want them sitting at intersections because if they sat too long, they're going to be found out and eventually they will be tacked or a car bomb is going to hit them. It happened all the time. So we would block intersections of traffic. So their motorcades could come through so they could shoot through and get in. Well, you know, that pissed off a lot of Iraqis. Think of Ian, think of you driving to New York city and all of a sudden you make, get to this, you think it's going to be open and you get to the street. And now you've got a backup of cars for miles because some asshole American is blocking your, your, you know, is blocking your road. Well, anyway, I'm doing this and I'm blocking and it's taking entirely too long. So I'm letting, start to let Iraqis through and let them through. Well, all of a sudden this bongo truck, I see it down the road. It's coming. It's coming perpendicular to Haifa Street on that bridge two intersection that I'm at. We already had reports of sniper fire coming across the street, and I, that was at the time that I, I didn't wear a helmet. I didn't. I was. Hey, I was a contractor. I'm a fucking. I I wore body armor. I don't wear a helmet. Um, but so there's sniper. Fire. So it's it's hot. It's and it's hot as fuck. And Haifa Street is a bad area. Very bad. Even right outside Little Assassin's Gate. It had that name for a reason. Well, there's a bongo truck coming. <clears throat> And I remember getting my M4 up and I pointed at it and it's, it's a little ways away. It's getting closer and it's going faster. And I give him what we call the onion. This means stop. <laughs> if you give it up, we call it, give him the onion, give him the onion. And it wouldn't stop. 
And I'm looking at it. I'm trying to address it. I'm trying to um, assess the situation because I, I had every, and every, at the rate it was going, the speed is coming down. It's bearing on me. The area that we're at, the, the sniper fire already in the area, there's attacks going on down Haifa Street. I had every reason to shoot, but I'm looking at the truck. Okay, is it weighted down? Is it how many people are in that truck? Is it because if it's a car bomb, it's going to be weighted down, even in a bongo truck. But it's also uh, or <clears throat> it's also not going to have more than one person in it because they don't do the suicide bombers with two people because they only kill one. And I remember I looked as it's getting closer. I switched the selector lever from safe to semi. And I just slipped it. I aimed in, and then I see a man. And, but I'm, I'm still not getting the feel that it's a car. It's a truck bomb. And I look and I see his son. As they get closer, I can see his son in the pasture seat. So I look and as it gets closer. I'm still doing this vehemently. I'm out there doing the onion screaming, stop, you know, slow down, fucking slow down. And, uh, and as I get closer, I can see the little kid's eyes. And he reminds me of my son at the time. I just had a boy. He was about one. then. This kid's a five. And it's, he's with his dad. Basically, he's just with his dad on errands. And his eyes are, he's scared shitless because I have an M4 pointing down his dad's face. And then I transition, I pointed at his. And as soon as I see his eyes, I realize, holy fuck. My God, I'm scaring the living shit out of this kid. And I've got body armor on. I got my cool guy Oakley sunglasses. You know, I look like the fucking American, American mercenary there, Blackwater guy. I put my gun down. I walk over. I have a picture of my son in my wallet, my new son. And I don't know why. I don't know why I get emotional telling this. But anyway. I, I understand, man. I mean, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and I um, I flipped it out and I put it on the window. And I remember um, his dad. Hold on a second. <clears throat> I'm sorry, man. I, I, no, 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 no. No, it's good. It's, good. <laughs> it's not it's like good. I even it's had you know, <laughs> no. it. What's it's funny good. is is this it's is good. a pretty basic I know. Boat, and it opened up. It, it opened. It, I get and it. I and, that, and then with guys that have guys that have been, it, it does. It reminds because it, it's it's deeper yeah. than that. Um, you know, but um, his his dad smiled, and the little boy's face. You could just see the color back come into it, and he smiled. And I I, I remember thinking, man, you know, I think I made more headway today helping an Iraqi than I ever did killing. A terrorist. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that we always look, yes, there are deaths. That's what the media is going to show you. That's what gets the the visuals. It doesn't show you things that happen like that. And I wasn't the only one. There were got great guys over there that tried and did their best to acclimate and make Iraqis feel like we were, we wanted to be part of their cult. We wanted to be friends. We wanted you just to see the beauty of what we are as being a democracy. And it was, it was, it's, it, I know in that little instant, all you intellectuals, all you East coasters out there, not you Ian, but all you other East coasters <laughs> out there are going, Oh, motherfucker, you guys aren't that. That is Jack Murphy. That is Marty Scovlin. That is me. That is, I, I'm yeah. giving you names. That's John yeah. Burke. That's, that's I don't know the intellectual you, aspect of it. And we, yeah, I was going to, I was going to say too, <clears> man. Um, I don't know if you heard the episode you weren't on, but I, I said the same thing about Marty Scovlin in particular when, People were going after Black Rifle Coffee for the New York Times article. And I was saying, you know, Marty is a guy that when his dad was dying of ALS, Marty said, 
hey, what's on your bucket list? Where do you want to go in the world? And he, and he put his uh, career on hold, put his life on hold, and he took his dad everywhere in the world that he wanted to. And I got to meet his dad and the, the smile on his face, knowing he was going to die, knowing the clock was ticking, um, but that he was getting to spend these precious moments with his son. That like is- That's the guy Marty Scovelin is. So that was, I, when I talked about it in the show where you weren't on, but when I saw all this stuff on social media, that was like, oh, these scumbags at Black Rifle Coffee, because you don't agree with some statement they made, like, the guys I know in particular, I know I don't know Evan Hayfrey, but you do. I but do. The guys I know, like Marty, like Luke, have so much integrity that I don't care if you buy the coffee or not. I, you know, they're not a sponsor of ours, but I, I will defend guys like Marty or Luke as just guys of honor and integrity uh, forever. But and Evan is, I, you know, and yeah, Evan is a friend. Evan is the same. Evan's a tremendous individual. He has a lot of integrity. He has, he's a good family man. Now. He really is tremendous. But. Yes, politicians do send young men off to die. But in that aspect, some of us young men, we chose that. That was the route. We know, we, we're, even though we may not think it, we're, we know that the politicians don't have our backs. We're hoping our command has our backs. I think that's the difference now is back in then, a General Patton did have my back. Yes, he was hard as fuck, but that guy was going to be there for me if I needed him. Where now we may have a softer, gentler command. They're not as mean as a Ed Patton or as strong Ozma Crystal is, but they don't have our backs anymore. And that's where I I do agree with that gentleman's statement. But it's it's the politics. The politicians never had our fucking backs ever. World, it didn't make a difference. I don't give a fuck. Going back to World War One, that's that's a given. We know that. The command has changed. So you don't have those commanders anymore like Patton that will go above and beyond for his troops and tell whoever's in just the sec death. Hey, fuck you. I'm doing what I want to do to help my boys. You have command now that's going to say, you know what? Uh, no, I, I, I need to get my career up. I've got to go into politics after this. I've got to make sure I toe the line instead of doing the right thing. Extortion 17. There you go. We just, I mean, that's kind of, I, we didn't mean to do that guys. That's just full circle. So, but what I'm saying also to this gentleman here is that don't feel bad for the youngsters. And he may have been one of them. Maybe he would, when when he was younger, don't feel bad for the youngsters going over because like myself, because of stories like that, that I had, that it touches me that much that I do tear up, not in a bad way though. It reminds me of a good day that I had, and I got back alive that day. I got out of that area safely and we completed the mission. And at least for a moment, I feel like um, I made a friend and I let an Iraqi see that Americans aren't over there just there to kill and maim and destroy, that we actually have a heart and we, we really do care about them. So, yeah. 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 No, that says a lot. I, I And like you said, those guys that I know are great people yeah. of honor. And yeah, you don't get to see those stories. Um all right, so this next one is from uh, Scott T. Uh, I think he's another very long-time listener. I was wondering if Chris has any plans to write another book. He mentioned in a past <laughs> episode of possibly doing one with the photos he had taken yeah. over the years. I think it would be cool to see the photos and read some stories about them. You can count me in for a copy. If that pre-sold copy sways your decision at all. Um, <laughs> and then he says, Ian, would you consider interviewing the band Fire Tiger at some time on the show? You got me hooked on their music. So you kind of owe me. <laughs> you guys get some winter merch. It gets a little cold for just a T-shirt during Wisconsin winters. Uh, Battleline podcast is the reason Mondays don't su- don't suck. Stay awesome, guys. 
Um, so I, yeah, I mean, that's a few questions here. We'll go through them quickly because we got so many more questions. Yeah, 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 but yeah, the yeah. first of which, are you going to write another book? Uh, yeah, down the line. And I, I do, I do want to, I, I've, my, my, I've always wanted to do like a coffee table book with the pictures and it, it's a, of me. Yeah, some of them will be of me overseas. A lot of those I post on Instagram guys. I don't have, I mean, I you know, it, but, um, what I want to do is everywhere that I go on my travels in the United States speaking, I go running. And I take yeah. pictures and I think they're awesome. And I love the architecture, but again, it's showing the beauty when everybody's, Oh, America's on fire. America's on fire. It shows the beauty of places that really, that, that it's not on fire, you know, showing the difference between Gillette, Wyoming and downtown Houston and showing it from a runner's point of view uh, or a sunset in Kansas versus a sunset on Naples, you know, when I'm running. Yeah. I'd love to with the story and maybe what, cause I still remember, I'll see a picture and I'll remember what I was thinking. So, yeah, I, I think so. But when um, whenever I can be home for more than two weeks at a time. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So then the second question for me, um, interview the band Fire Tiger. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're really good. I, I really got into them uh, and I found out about them on Instagram. And I just I, I sometimes am surprised that people even care about me, like, you know, getting them into new music on Instagram. I'll just post it because I'm like, this is fucking awesome. But uh, yeah, I came across them. Uh, and I like the fact that they're like, uh, they're still doing shows on the sunset strip in Los Angeles or were pre the, all the COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd have them on though, just because honestly, I, I don't know if many people would care besides you, you know what I mean? Like I would <laughs> want to interview them, but I just know what you guys click on the most and you guys love special operations vets and, you know, people in that community, firearms instructors like Jade Struck. Yeah. And, um, you know, occasionally we'll have that type of stuff. So maybe a show that Chris is out or something. Every now and again, I switch it up. Uh, but we yeah, they're, they're cool. Check them out. Yeah, um, definitely. And then, uh, could you guys get some winter merch? That was the third question. Um, you know, on Battleline, sure. We'll get that. We just have to find, I, I, you know, I Thadia, I have winter merch on Thadia, the, the athletic company that I, I, yep, yep. I, they're tremendous Thaddea. And actually Thaddea, just to let you guys know, I don't, um, we may be starting Thaddea and the owners. I was going to say this during our first question, uh, maybe starting their own social media site. So oh, wow. that's something to look out for. And if they are, of course I'll be a part of it, but, um, on the winter merch Thaddea already has, and they have great stuff. It's tremendous. Just, I was run the, the pictures you see me and in of Instagram. I was running out in the middle of the winter in Minnesota in their gear. So obviously it's warm, but, um, we should, we'll get some, yeah, we'll get some battle line stuff. We just, I just need to find what a good, uh, a good, um, you know, cause I don't want to make just off crappy clothing. I agree. We got to find a good, a good sweats, good, um, good tops and who makes the best. I don't think next level makes that kind of stuff. They do make great t-shirts, but, um, we'll find some, but definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. I live in Kansas. I, 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 in an undisclosed location in Kansas. So, um, we'll get some. And of course, Ian lives in New York. Well, shit, you don't have to worry about it here in a little while. So, never mind. Yeah, I know. I'll be back, though. I'll be, I'll be back. I, although I don't know if I want to be back during the winter months here. Uh, may, you know, I might get so used to the warm weather. Um, all right. I told you we got some conspiracy minded stuff. So, we'll get into that. This is another question here. Uh, dear Chris Peranto, I will get to the question at the end of a brief intro. I joined the Navy in 70. Uh, six-month delayed program, act January 7th, 1971 to 1974. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent one day and night in Dan- Da Nang, uh, TAD for my first station, wow. San Miguel Pi. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, I held a top secret clearance as a CTO 
or teleport operator, joined the National Guard in 81 as an MP with a secret clearance, federalized in November 1990 for Desert Storm. After Desert Storm, my unit's mission was reorganized and my military police slot disappeared. I was offered the combat engineer slot, but had to take the 10 class and then the NCO advanced class as a CBT engineer, both in Kill Devil Lake, North Dakota. I kept the SFC slot for two years, and soon as I got my 20-year letter, I retired. That's my timeline of military service. Uh, We both know Hillary and the CIA overthrew Libya and were running the missiles out of Benghazi to the rebels or Al-Qaeda turned into ISIS Daesh. One of those missiles was used to shoot down the Chinook helicopter uh, in Afghanistan with uh, 30 of our SEALs on board. I was present in the secure area of Special Operations Warfare, Norfolk, uh, Virginia, to see my nephew get promoted. After the ceremony, we walked back and stopped by the 9-11 memorial and the tribute to the SEALs we lost. I looked hard at the chunk of the steel at the back of the garden and just about cried. Knowing what I know about explosives, here's the question. Can you or any of your SEAL buddies confirm that the steel memorial from the Twin Towers was cut by explosives? It may be the only evidence left to support the theory that planes did not bring the towers down. Yeah, I know it seems far-fetched, but my distrust of the government is at an all-time high. Thank you for your service, Chris. SFC, uh, Dennis Devonport, retired. You know, first, um, you know, you know that the only person I'd be is somebody that's a that's a metallurg- metallurgical expert. I would not know. Um, as far as the, uh, you know, I, and I don't, I don't blame his distrust for the government. I, I distrust him too. I, but the thing is, though, is I just turn him off. I don't keep feeding into it, whether it's negative or positive. Um, with you knowing what's going on, local government, I think is important watching the media as far as to find out what's going on in the federal government, you're going to get tons of misinformation. So, I mean, stay, stay alert. Like Ian says, you know, Hey, know what's going on a bit, but don't go down that rabbit hole with them because that's what they want you to do. And of course, this is where it brings you. It brings you to where you've got this huge, huge distrust for the federal government and the CIA. Well, so do I, 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 I know they're full of shit. But I don't need to continue to watch what they're doing to know that they're. But are you in a? I mean, I'm just curious because I I'm not. I mean, are you in agreement that explosive brought explo- no. explosives brought down the tower? No, I, the towers, the towers. I th- I really do believe that the towers came down by the jets. And guys, that's that's what missiles do. I mean, that's what a, that's what an airliner is. That fuel and the, the how it heats up. Again, I'm not a meteorological or I'm not a metal. Help me. I, I don't know why I'm tongue tied. Metallurgical or have, I'm not a metal. I don't expert. even know what the word. I, yeah. I, I, but okay. I, uh, but, but on, ex- I learned a new word. Yeah. No, it's they're metallurgical. I think that's what. Okay. God, I don't even know the word. Yeah, no, um, but the, um, but um, no, that's it. It melts. It, it, it does it. it. It destroys the, the steel. And, and yeah, of course it was come yeah. down by an explosive an exploding plane brought it. Yeah. I, Cause I've always heard the, um, and Here's the thing. When I say I don't believe any of those um, conspiracies on how the towers came down, I'm also not someone who's just like, oh, I heard the official story. This must be what happened. I mean, there's been a ton of, you know, documentaries about this stuff and there's been a lot of stuff either debunked or, you know, um, I mean, there's a lot that happened on 9-11, of course. I I know that, as they say, you can't uh, melt steel beams with jet fuel. That's always been one of the arguments. But I think the the argument I've heard on the other side is it could weaken those steel beams enough to melt them to down. Melt, to melt, or, um, and and then it, the building six stuff, I do believe that building was hit by chunks of burning building. I, and I know people watched it and said it looks like a controlled demolition. 
I think a lot of things look like certain things, but they're not. Um, and then like the biggest conspiracy theory of them all, and I think it just has more to do with the time, but I understand why people have questions is there's no video of the Pentagon being hit by a plane, yeah. you know, and I think if that happened five years later, where all of us had cell phones, where there was, I know there was, you know, surveillance footage, but it was so choppy that you don't see anything. You can't really make out what it was. Um, but I, I will say, I do personally believe the official story in terms of that. Um, I don't know your feeling. I mean, the, the, I do believe there's nefarious stuff in terms of why did we go into Iraq when none of those people were in Iraq? Those are totally different questions. Um, you know, or, uh, you know, the fact that bin Laden was being hidden in Pakistan and we didn't, we totally dropped the ball in Pakistan. But in terms of what went down that way, I mean, that day, I do believe those guys were trained in America and we lost sight of the ball and, and Bill Clinton was weak on terrorism and we had a new president who just came into office. Um, but I, I'm by no means saying, you know, we had, uh, look, we had Adam Kokesh on the show and he would agree with this guy. I, I don't, I'm not into censoring anybody who feels that way. I just haven't seen the conclusive evidence to yeah. say things didn't happen the way that we saw them. I, 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 I'm no, I'm in agreement. Again, I, I'm not going to ever. It's it's, it's he, that opinion. And if it came here, here's my, if it came out down the line that said, Hey, yeah, we actually did that subvert it. So we could go into war, which again, I don't, I know our politicians suck, but to that extreme, to go in and to kill that many people just so we can go into a war for what, f- to what end? I mean, I don't get what the reason would be for that, but if it did come out that way, it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> that's the sad thing is it should shock the shit out of me. I, it wouldn't, but I don't think that's what happened. I think the planes brought him down. Um, my opinion, just from watching it. And, and again, I'm with you and I, I don't have the evidence to, to support that. And with the and, I've, and by the way, I've watched it a lot of it, like a lot. One guy they always bring out is that guy who worked in the basement as a janitor. And he says, like, I heard the explosives go off. But my feeling was always, well, you could hear a lot of things that sound like something that it's not. I, I never thought that was really a, much of a convincing argument. Well, and regardless of whatever, the, you know, people died on it and and terrorists took responsibility for it. And, and Osama bin Laden did have the assets and he had the mindset and he had the time to put something like that together. And he had, he, and he wasn't a dumb guy. <laughs> he wasn't dumb and he was very well educated from a well-educated family with a fuckload of money from Saudi Arabia or was it Kuwait? You know, I get to one of the big oil ass countries. Uh, so they had the asset, he had the ability, he had the time. And you're right. As far as losing the ball, we got complacent. We thought we were untouchable. It, it was right place, right time for an attack. And it was pulled off. It was pulled off with tremendous accuracy. And it came, I think it even did more than what they intended it to do. And, and um, but it was, yeah, it, I mean, it, we're still, yeah, we're still paying <clears throat> the price in terms of yeah. uh, the, I, I always think of this, this is a weird uh way to think of pre 9-11 and post 9-11 and this is just from my perspective um because a lot of young if we have younger listeners they don't really know the difference in america pre 9-11 post 9-11 they they never went through an airport and didn't have to take off their shoes and um the big thing i always think of is i remember the summer before 9-11 i went to go see a great concert by the way pantera slayer static x uh morbid angel and scrape uh at nasa coliseum the reason i bring this up though is it was probably two months before 9-11 
And I called my dad to pick me up actually because the people who drove me over there, they were like drinking. <laughs> my dad. I was like, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. You want to come? You pick are a responsible up? You know, motherfucker, dude. Yeah. He <laughs> told, he told me to always do that. And my dad says, I remember I walked in that place with no one patted me like in NASA Coliseum. I walked right through the door. No one patted me down. No, you know, no, um, metal detector, no issue at all. I came, I got right in the building. No one thought twice about yeah. it. No security, nothing. And two months later, that all changed. Yeah. It just, it, it, well, made us like, again, it made us closer to what the rest of the world <laughs> was already going through. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I it, you know, I, I, I really, and not, I don't think I, I don't believe your brother, Sergeant First Class, you're some crazy nut or anything. You have no, and I'm not saying that you, either. You have, I, you I have, understand why people have questions yeah, about yeah, all and, that. I, and I do too. And I, I don't trust I don't trust or even like the government. And you know, I worked for him for many years. As far as the other stuff with the uh, with the yeah, we were moving. I don't think it was it wasn't just missiles. We were moving weapon systems, uh, Qaddafi's arms into uh, to help overthrow Assad in Syria, and we were giving weapon systems to. That's our Sharia. Um, Al Qaeda in the Maghreb was there. So I think that information, you guys, just a little tad off. I don't believe it was just AQI. AQI didn't turn into Daesh, didn't turn into ISIS. Um, those militias there in Libya, parts of them, parts of different terrorist organizations became ISIS as a conglomerate. Um, and Ansar Sharia was a big one. So, yes, I, you are accurate there. That is right. But to say that one of those SA7s or something like that took down the uh, the extortion 17, which is what he's talking about. One of those missiles was transported from Libya to make it. Uh, no, I don't believe that. How can you keep They don't have that sort of, we couldn't even do that. Well, here, let's mark this SA seven. Okay. Let's send it to Afghanistan and let's, you don't only break in case of emergency, only break. If we have a great target to take out, that's, what we're going to use it. I don't think that's accurate, but yes, we were moving, we're moving weapon systems. Definitely. Uh, um, and, Yes, a weapon, and I think it was an RPG that took down that extortion seventeen Chinook. It can, we saw it did that in Black Hawk Down. They they got good at practicing that. That was kind of that was Osama bin Laden that helped them do that. Got smart with how to use an RPG to take down an aircraft because it's not made for that. It doesn't have fins, so you can't control it. And also, if you go too far back, the back blast that comes out of an RPG seven will could blow your fucking leg off and could kill you. But he's the one that learned and trained them down the line and they started getting good in 1993 in Somalia, they figured it out and then they got better and better and better. So um, I don't believe it was a, and I could be wrong. I thought it was an RPG seven, an RPG that took out the extortion 17, not a surface to air missile, which is what Gaddafi had fucking loads of SA sevens is what we call them. They're man pads, man portable weapon systems. So, uh, so, you know, I, yeah, you, you're brother, you're not far off on a lot of stuff. I, I'm not totally in agreement with everything that, but I am in agreement with the yeah, other government or any government for that matter. You really can't trust many anymore. And, and um, we do our best, but we're seeing it more and more that it's, it's harder to give our full trust to them because they're not always giving us the full truth. Benghazi is another example of that. Yeah, they could have just told the truth. I don't think the truth would have. I mean, yeah, Obama probably would have lost the election at that time because Al Qaeda definitely wasn't on the run. But politics before patriotism. I said that. I I don't know where I came up with that, Jim. I came up with that during a Fox News. I said they put politics before patriots. I still stand by that. Politics always come before patriotism, and in a sense, that's what you're saying. And I completely agree with that. And I can't I, I can't fully trust my government anymore. 
I have personal experience that doesn't allow me you, to. I, the only thing I'm curious, you really think it would have sunk the election? Because the only reason I, I, I'm not sure if I agree is just I don't okay. think enough people care about the military. I mean, because when you think about the fact that it, what is how many people serve, what is it like? It's yeah, very small. Very small. I, and it, yeah, you, it, unfortunately. But, 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 you know, if you go back, it was closer than at that time. It was extremely close. Um, and, um, no, but you're right. I, I, that's, that's, I'm armchair quarterbacking it, brother. So I think it would have made it a lot closer. I think that there would have been the possibility of a higher possibility of Romney winning and Obama not winning. Um, and obviously they were worried about the narrative because that's why they changed it. So obviously somebody within their camp, just yeah. because of what happened, said, hey, this could hurt us. It could have hurt worse. So, yeah, I, I, I let me, I don't want to go in absolutes. I agree with you, brother. No, yeah. It, yeah you know, was, actually, you know what I want to ask you real quick? Because now that we're talking about this, I've never asked you this, <laughs> and it is related to Benghazi, and I've never heard your take on it. When they lied about Benghazi, and they blamed it on a YouTube yeah. video, that stupid YouTube <laughs> video that didn't even have that many views. It was, you know, something making fun of uh, Islam, and it yeah, was, you it was, know, people with, like, towels on their head. Um, remember that guy got yep. like audited, they didn't go to jail, right? He, he for, did. For tax. He, he did. He did, but he's out and he's in hiding in, in California. Actually, our friend Holly McKay was friends with him. Uh, oh, really? On the show, and so she, here's what I'm wondering. Do you think he legitimately went to jail for evading taxes or was he targeted? I've never asked you. I, I, I think he was targeted. I think, but I think also he probably was evading taxes. So he had loose ends. That's why I took, don't have loose ends. If you're going to, if you're going to be this guy that's spouting off shit, don't have loose ends because they'll find it. And that's what they do. And, and to say that the IRS is not, a, is not one of the, I think the IRS is one of the most lethal arms of the U S government because of things they can, and they're so massive and they can do that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think that's completely legitimate. And, and it's it was a loose end, and he did go to prison. And then he, after he got out, he was ridiculed so much. He was hiding. Last time I talked to Holly, and this was a while ago about it, dude. We got to get him on the show. Yeah, we get, get with Holly. She may know him. She may know where he's at. But he was he, a pastor. Felt sorry for him in Southern California, and was actually allowed him to live at the church. And he was actually hiding out in a in a church in in L.A. right outside L.A. Um, but you know that was years ago. Hollywood, no. Holly, Holly knows, and she. She, I think she even actually talked to the guy and did an interview with him. And I remember her telling me we were actually, actually we were at a, it was quite a few years ago. We're in LA and we're having dinner. Uh, her and me and, and a bunch of our friends, I just got done doing something for Paramount at the time. And we're at a hookah bar. She, she loves smoking hookah. She still, she loves the Middle East. She, I've know, seen, yeah, her smoking yeah, cigars. Smoking and hookah. She still has like good teeth somehow. I don't know. <laughs> She's a Pepsi. Dude. I don't know. But um, she did say, yeah, his, she said, I talked to him and his whole life is since then is turned upside down. And now he's penniless, broke, can't find work. And he was living in a church off, you know, off the good, good Samaritan pastor of that church that, because he couldn't afford to. So, yeah, his life was fucked. They fucked him over. And when I say they, yes, the U.S. government. Um, I, I, yeah, I do believe they targeted targeted him. But he wasn't an easy. He was an easy person to target. I mean, gotta find something. I think very well they could target me and Oz and Tig if they wanted to. I don't think me anymore because of you know, I, I dislike those people that were in because of the personal experience I had. I don't care for our government. 
but uh, I'm not very fully trusting of them all. I do think still, though, that we have the best government in the world, even with going on right now. But um, since from that, you know, aside from us just discussing it here, I don't get and do rants and get it all there. And so I, yeah. I, I and honestly, just it's like, hey, leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. I want nothing to do with politics. Just want to try to be good to other people and answer your questions. And you and I put on the best show we can here. So absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So this will be the last question for part one. And then we'll go into part two for you guys, which you'll hear next week. All right. So uh, this is from Cindy. Uh, Chris, how do you fix your fucking shit? I listen, to, <laughs> I, I listen to your podcasts religiously because you make me laugh and because of your ability to share your stories and your real emotions, which you did just recently. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Your guests share as well and let, uh, your guests share as well. And like a sponge, I suck it up. My path is similar to yours, traumatic in a parallel kind of way. But mine was not by choice, not to overshare. I was kidnapped by a member of a group from Little Creek and missing for months. Uh, so now I listen and learn how you and others process your events, and it's motivating to me. After listening to your show with Rudy Reyes, I heard you say that you were told to fix your fucking shit a while back. Loved it. How about a Proverbs by Tonto or tips from <laughs> Tonto to do that? Keep up the great work, Cindy. And wow, that is a that's a crazy story. That is actually we we have a thing called Tontoisms. That's um, right. Yeah, that's what Tonto, that was. Tonto is Tonto's 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 Instagram. Um, that has actually turned into a fan page. It's run by Audacious Andy, who's been a huge supporter, and she's tremendous. Tremendous. Who's recovering from COVID? I did. Yeah, that's what she. That's what she says. Andy, get fix your shit, dude. Get out of bed. Go work out. Tough love with you, but um. No, she's also a huge contributor to the 14th Hour Foundation. She's one of the reasons yeah. why it does so well. Um, she's an awesome, awesome person. But, um, yeah, I, really fixing your shit essentially is just putting that past behind you and just starting with the new, scrubbing whatever negatives that you have. And you're uh, you're always going to have them. I, I think people think that they're just going to disappear. I still have those negative things that I did or negative people in my life. Yeah, they still come in my mind every once in a while, but I don't let them affect me. It's just, it's a memory. It's, it is good and bad. It's still a memory and you can make it a good memory because maybe you learn from it. Um, you know, whatever you, you got kidnapped I, I, and it, it I, I get, man, I've never been kidnapped. I, I don't know, even know how <laughs> that would feel, but that fear, I'm sure you have some paranoia. I'm sure you have some fear of going out by yourself or being in places alone. Um, I'm not saying you have to go do that to break that fear. You just have to realize that, okay, that happened. I just may have to be a little bit more situationally aware what's going on in my surroundings. Maybe you don't, you don't have to carry a gun, but carrying maybe carrying a knife or something that where at least you feel comfortable and then knowing how to use it. <clears throat> but the biggest thing is just, just being more aware and understanding, you know, that happened going through your head, what happened prior to that, so you start looking for indicators. You know, that's what we talk on the, on the risk assessment side. What happened? And there are always specific things that maybe you missed because you were oblivious to them at the time because, you know, you didn't think something like that would happen. Look back at it. And I know it may bring up some bad memories, but look back at it and start looking for not as the memories, but looking at, at indicators, looking at it from a methodical, tactical point of view. What happened that got me kidnapped. What did I not do? Was I looking down? Was I not looking around? Was I in a place that I was alone in a dark alley? You know, 
start understanding what you didn't do correctly. And that yeah, starts but, to turn the positives on. And I was just looking back in the email because she doesn't say at what age, but okay. depending on what age too. I mean, if it was as a really young kid, young which kid. is for many people, yeah, that's kind of out of your control. And, and you probably don't remember exactly what happened. And that's the thing on the positive side of there. Now you aren't a really young kid. So the probability of that happening to you as an adult. Yeah, probably but that's what I'm gonna... saying. I don't know if it was as an adult. I don't yeah, know yeah. if it was as a kid. Yeah, yeah. That's my, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm just putting it in perspective. You know, I will always live with some, and we've talked about it on the show before, with some form of security. And I don't want to call it paranoia, but situational awareness. I'm always looking around. What I, we had it on the show recently where we took our kids and I, we went and stopped at the Dairy Queen in a, in a in a place that it wasn't the best place. And there's things around it in an area. So I, I went into security mode, but I still was able to hold my son and I still was able to order ice cream and I still had fun. But I still was also on a little bit more of an alert. You, you've, you're going to have to figure that out for yourself. But the, when I say fix yourself or fucking fix yourself, when my buddy said to me to do that. It was, I was always feeling sorry for myself. That's why I said it. So if you're always feeling sorry for yourself for what happened, fix your fucking self. Stop it. All right. You are stronger than that. You can learn from the experience. You're going to be stronger from it because you're learning from the experience and you're, it's never going to happen to you again, or the probability of it happening to you again is going to be minimized because of those things that you just did. You became stronger. You became a better person because you know what to look for, a better tactician or more situation aware, and you're positive. This shit's not going to happen to me again. All right. A lot of times we can just say things in our head and make it will it to happen. We can. Um, so again, but the bottom line is just don't feel sorry for yourself. That's the biggest thing is people feel sorry for themselves and they go down their rabbit holes and they're never able to come out of them. Well, stop it. That's the fix your fucking self. That's where that comes from, from the community. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, shithead. Get your ass up. Take get your get your ass up off your knees, keep walking, and get stronger. It's up to you. And then you go into the 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 tact- tactician mode of okay, well, what did I do wrong? I AR, I do my review. What can I do better next time? So this doesn't happen again. And then live my daily life like that. But don't try to forget it because it's you're never going to forget traumatic experiences. You never yeah. are. But use them as a positive to learn from. Then it turns those, it turns lemons into lemonade. Yeah. That's my yeah. two cents. I don't know if you have any, I don't know, brother, what do you think? I, maybe I'm way off. No, that's a, you know what I think of our friends, uh, Kavino <clears throat> and Rich, you know, he says, uh, turn dilemmas into yeah. lemonade. <laughs> Didn't he just have um, a stripper at his birthday? I saw that. On he his, did? I and I was, I was listening to him on the ride home from Sirius on X, he's on XM, uh, <laughs> The, uh, yeah, they turbo. aren't anymore, but um, but he's still doing yeah, yeah. the music stuff. So maybe he did. That's funny. Um, <laughs> I don't. But uh, great guy. Yeah, that, that was a great email. Great response. But and you know what else? It, it made me think of um, really. I don't know if you know about. This. Are you? Were you a Bone Thugs and Harmony fan? Oh, I love a, Bone dude, Thuggish Ruckus Bone, dude. That's Hell easy. Yeah. Easy, easy prodigies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you know uh, Busy Bone was kidnapped as a kid and and molested, and he was he was on America's Most Wanted as a kid, and someone who watched America's Most Wanted found the guy who kidnapped. Him. I think I saw that on America's. I think I saw it on a. It was one of those documentaries about them, or maybe when Easy E died, they had a documentary and they were in it. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's that that's crazy. Now and nobody, but see, nobody's going to kidnap his ass now. If I kick nah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> But, Probably but, would. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No, well, I, thank you. 
I, I'm sorry, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm clearing my throat and there's a delay. Sorry, guys. We are all fucked up over here. We are going to try this again. It's just a minor delay. What were you saying? <laughs> no, no, no. I, you, you're good. I just, you, I was finishing up. I finishing up uh, about the, about the thuggish, ruggish bones, getting bone, getting kidnapped. And yeah, and he started talking. So we're good, dude. We're good. And, we're and in his case, he was a really little kid, you know? And it's like, you don't, there's, <clears throat> I don't know if there's anything to learn from that because yeah. how you can't really, it's, I mean, there are rare, rare circumstances, but if people, if some, someone wants to kidnap a five-year-old kid, it's going to be pretty hard to fight back, you know? Yeah. So I, I would have to know your age, but yeah. it sounds like, you know, that you could get on the right path again and, and not let this, uh, you know, taint the rest of your life and, and allow whoever this person was to steal your joy for the rest of your life. Don't don't give them that power. And that's what fix your fucking self means right there. Seriously, <laughs> that's what it means. We just say it in a more uh, non PC way. But that's exactly <laughs> what it means. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, hope you enjoyed this part one of uh, Battle Line Podcast Q&A. You'll hear part two next week. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and never give up. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. To sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs> <laughs>